slid back when like a child running wild in the outside you got older older welcome to smile you love us welcome to a very special episode of smile you love us one could call it a double trouble episode if you will we talk about two sisters and my sis my sister is joining us it's a double buckley girls I don't think I've ever said my last name on this podcast, as if we all of our listeners don't know my last name, but... I know you well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a double Olsen, Olsen girls. Yeah. Do you... Uh, Carrie, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm Erin's younger sister, and really enjoy Mary-Kate and Ashley. Yeah, this was your idea. It was. I didn't think you would take me seriously, and I was very happy when you invited me to come talk to you. Oh, I was thrilled. Erin said, I have a proposition for you. My sister would like to do a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen episode. I have only ever seen uh, Double Double Toil and Trouble. A classic. And it takes two. That is where my Mary- Another classic. I love both of those movies. Uh, But that is where my cinematic history with the Olsen twins ends. And uh, it doesn't pick, that thread doesn't pick up again until like their like little sister Elizabeth Olsen starts acting, and then I watch some of her films. Some with, of her films being like the Marvel movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but that's it. Marvel films, you might know the Avengers, Endgame. Yeah. So I don't really know. The Olsen twins are more of just like a, a pop culture icon to me than like an actual something I grew up intimately involved with. So. I was very excited to watch my first Olsen feature film. Uh, Which did you start with? I started with Passport to Paris. Okay. Okay. So we're doing Passport to Paris and New York Minute. And the reasoning is not that we feel, although I would put Passport to Paris as as my number one Olsen twins movie. Carrie's making a face um, that she doesn't discuss. What? What? (laughs) It's agree, but we will discuss. Um... Then we did New York Minute, which was their last film ever released. Uh, it was released in theaters, unlike the rest of this bunch. But um, the reason that we watched them is because they were available for free. It's actually quite difficult to find Mary-Kate and Ashley content um, that you don't, unless you want to own it, unless you want to pay $15 from iTunes to own Holiday in the Sun, which, I mean, I've paid $15 for weirder things in these quarantine times, but I just felt like that was okay. I could pass it. It's pushing it a little bit. Yeah, it was pushing it a little bit. Um, so, Carrie, you have a ranking of, of all the films. Do you want to share that with us before we dive into Passport to Paris? How they have how many movies have they done? Oh, that's a great question. I'll pull that fact up. Carrie, okay. you do the ranking. So I didn't rank all of the movies. I did my top four just because I don't think you count the ones when they're younger. Okay. You obviously a classic, but that's you know I think a separate category for them. Got it. They are Our Lips Are Sealed, then Passport to Paris, then Holiday in the Sun, and then Winning London. Wait. Say that one more time. Our lips are sealed when they go to Australia. Passport to Paris. Holiday in the Sun. And Winning London. Can you, what's the plot of Winning London? They go to a Model UN conference in London. Oh, okay. And, and um, what's the plot of the other two that we won't be covering? Real quick. 
Our lips are sealed is they are in witness protection. (laughs) (laughs) Because the witness died. The most interesting one. What? Um, And then Holiday in the Sun, they're on a vacation with their family at Atlanta in the Bahamas. Yeah. It's like full on Spawn Con movie. I I think they also witness a crime in that. Yeah. There's, yeah, I think you're right. Are any of these, um, they always play different characters, right? They're not, it's never a continuation of, okay. Um, characters. I'm really curious about the witness protection. Maybe we talk about that off of the pod since we didn't actually watch it, but that is very interesting. Uh, so we decided on Passport to Paris and New York Minute because they were just available. And also, is New York Minute make your top five or not even? No. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. I think that New York Minute, which we can get into, is just kind of their, like, last hurrah of a movie because it's the last one that they did. So I think they just kind of were like, let's throw this person in. Let's do this. Let's put oh, it yeah. in the theater. Yeah. And, like, a weirdly stacked cast. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's start with Password to Paris. We always go in chronological order because we often look at how some films, like, you know, influence other films down the line in terms of, you know, 80s teen movies and the like. I don't really know how Password to Paris impacted teen movies, although I do have I do have one take on it. But but if you're ready. Well, I want to know first how many films have they made? Oh, so they have 53 IMDb credits. Wow. But, but a lot of these movies are like TV movies, guest stars. I don't know. I should look more at dual star. They're, they're ranked as videos. Then there's like random TV series. Oh, Carrie, where does one in Rome rank up? Not memorable. Not memorable. Okay. Now, were you like in the American Nationals fan club? Was that a thing? I don't think we were because, like, our parents wouldn't spend money on something like that. I think that's correct, but I think in my heart I was a member of a fan club. Yeah. not financially involved. Right. Okay. Great answer. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> so, with the exception of New York Minute, every single Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen film has was direct to video. Like, you had to buy them. I think, wasn't it Takes Two in theaters, though? It Takes Two is in theaters. I but think those the were only two. were either, like, Disney movies or Nickelodeon movies or like I don't think they would be pay-per-view movies like they were like um the American Nationals had their own cinematic universe where you could start right? I mean Blockbuster was a big supplier right these videos um to our homes there you go okay yeah um all right so Passport to Paris um stars Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen as <laughs> Melanie and Allison uh, Porter, and they go by Mel and Allie, and oh. they are 13-year-old girls. Uh, they're in middle school, and the plot starts, the setup is that they are obsessed with shopping and boys and gossip, and their parents are really worried that their their small middle school life, suburban life, is too insular, and they're not getting enough culture. Which I think was a really great setup. I was yeah. Like very yes. Um, that the parents were like really engaged with their ch- what's going on in their children's lives and were smart enough to be like, mm, their their uh, point of view is a little limited. Like we need to give them some um, culture. I would say these are great parents. Yes. Yeah. And they think, all right, let's send them to Paris to spend spring break with their grandfather. 
Um, they bury the lead a little bit in that their grandfather is the U.S. ambassador, to France, which is like a very big deal. And yeah, I definitely didn't understand like what that was when I was nine. No one, but I like now I'm like, oh my god, like, <laughs> millionaires, billionaires are ambassadors linked to Paris. This is a big deal. But it's like they treat it very casually, very casually. And um, so they're gonna take. <laughs> Stay at the ambassador's house. Um, the I, embassy. They, sorry, the embassy. <laughs> um, yeah. And they, um, they're really nervous because they're like, Grandpa's kind of mean, and I don't think he'll have time for us. He's not like one of those traditional grandpas that, like, smokes a pipe and lets you sit on his lap. Um, he's really strict. And I don't know. He didn't seem that strict. He seemed fine. Yeah. He seemed. He just seems like kind of, you know, into his work, as one should be as the... He's, like, has a very serious job. the ambassador. Yes. So there's a great little montage where they're like setting up their room in the embassy. They felt it necessary to bring all of their Wyclef Jean and Lauren Hill posters with them. (laughs) (laughs) Which, again, they're only going to be there for a week and they like have put up posters and... They tape up the... I don't even think it's a poster. Well, I guess it is a poster, but I think it's like a CD insert that they like unwrap. Even better. Yes. That is 100% what it is. And they're like plastering it over this like obviously um, beautiful probably very very expensive wallpaper and are like jumping on the beds and it's just clear that they the Americans are in Paris like they are they the Olsen twins have like sorry the Porter twins have landed and they are still boy crazy they spend so they have to go uh, around with the ambassador's assistant because the ambassador's fucking busy and they go to, um, he has a whole itinerary for them, you know, museums, cultural things. And on their way into the Louvre, their first stop, they get run, almost run over by these delivery boys on little mopeds. That's who, danger music. Oh, that yeah. That came in. Well, <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> a little too much. Uh, and then they're like, oh, they're cute because they're still boy obsessed, right? Like they left some two. They couldn't go to the dance with the two guys. Yeah, they got invited to the Spring Fling, but it was, uh, you know, at the same time they were going to Paris. So they couldn't go with, like, Chad and Christian or whatever it was. And um, I have to say, like... Sorry, very quintessential 90s boy haircuts. Oh, oh my God. Also, like, yeah. Oh, God. The boys were so gross. I was like, <laughs> it was... Uh, I don't know if I, at 13, would have found either any of these boys attractive. The French or the... But I don't know. I'll ask Carrie about that. She can talk about that. No. No, yeah. right? They are not hunks. Like, there was nothing not hunky hunks. about them. Mm-mm. I like, feel like just, like, the casting was, like, can you do a French accent? <laughs> yeah. And, and like, like not, that, that guy's the best. Right. Um, the Fr- I will say the French actors were, or the, I don't they were American actors pretending to be French. They were better than the American boys. Yes. They at least, like, had a little bit of depth to their, I don't know. Uh, I bet it's really intimidating to act across from Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. In 1999. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're you're just tools for the amusement. Like, you just sit there and let the pros do their job, okay? Uh, they have a digital tour of the Louvre. Like, the, you're supposed to think that they're in the actual Louvre, but they make this weird digital montage. Yo, how did you feel about that play? That was tough. That was the point in my viewing where I, because at the, at the start, I was like, this isn't so bad. Like, I'm 20 minutes in. I'm like, the plot is good. It makes sense. The characters have some depth. It's interesting. 
Then I got to that part and I was like, I'm out. Like I gotta pause the film. I have to pour myself a stiff drink. I have to like. <laughs> Carrie, I should mention Blythe is an arts lawyer, a fine arts lawyer. So the um, I would say bastardization of a the Louvre probably oh. hit her a little harder than the rest of us. Person was like, of course they're not gonna film in the fucking Louvre. The only person <laughs> that films in the Louvre has been like Beyonce and Jay Z, and they had to pay like a three million dollars to do it. You know, I don't know what I was expecting. Like, (laughs) (laughs) to be honest, though, I've only been to the Louvre once and I felt the same way that they did (laughs) when they left. Like, I was like, whoa, gotta sit down. Yeah. I just think there are better ways. I think the digital part was interesting because it was clear that they were like, it was a at a point where that technology was probably like that was maybe a cool scene extremely cool yeah but it like just like most technologies from the 90s just does not age well at all like any special effects from the 90s are like really you know look very dated now so once I got past that and I was like all right fine digital blue whatever it doesn't matter uh, I mean, this the plot is very simple they go on a tour of Paris they find these cute boys they meet a model they um, <laughs> right, they meet like a French fashion model. Um, there's a big banquet at the end that their grandfather is hosting. Um, they they don't crash it, but they um, they they, wanna... they co-opt it. Yeah, that's a good word for it. Yeah, and uh, you know they they have a lot of like irons in the fire. They're trying to get the assistant. His name is Jeremy. Sorry, they're trying to get Jeremy uh, to you know hook up with the model so he has a little bit of a life they're trying to get his the grandpa's to give jeremy some more attention because he's got some good ideas about like water pollution i guess uh and then the grandpa's like i miss my family i'm gonna quit my job as the ambassador and like go back to america with you guys and they kiss the french boys yeah at a french school dance Mm -hmm. right it looked a lot like a los angeles middle school dance right um, and there is uh, some bizarre uh, French rap um, influence in this film. I One- personally like the line, uh, re- the, the mix of reggaeton and hip hop is totally yes. original. Yes. <laughs> I picked it up on that as well. They named a band. I was like, well, that's not a real thing. That's a baseball player. <laughs> um, but she was like, it's just like the Dizzy Daves. Like, I can't believe you know them. I was like, oh my God, why are they so into French reggaeton? Like, what is this personality trait that they're trying to give them? Um, You're missing a huge plot point that I really enjoyed on Rewatch, which is the, I would say it's kind of like the subplot. Well, the second subplot. The first subplot is like vacation and boys. That's the, the main plot. The second plot is like Jeremy. Which I think is, like, a very dark movie in and of itself. Like, if it was just Jeremy's movie, it would be, like, very dark about how this man... Like, he, the, the personal details that Jeremy shares are, like, really weird for a kid's movie. Where he's, like, talking about his commitment issues and then his in- inability to, like, rise above professionally. And, like, then he has that whole, like, weird metaphor about the ice cream, which I actually thought about your husband, who I don't consider a vanilla man at all, but who is steadfast that vanilla ice cream is the only acceptable ice cream flavor. Yeah, Jeremy felt like a character that could have been on the West Wing or something. Yeah. <laughs> he was like a, in a fully different movie. And I was, every time he's on screen, I was like, this, what am I watching? 
Yes. Um, he also had like certain Michael Scott qualities to him where he's like trying to be cool. Um, but then the I would say the the cons the secondary conflict is between the chef oh, right. embassy yes. and the Porter twins because he's just making like the most um the French cliche french meals yeah there's a lot of like stereotypical there's a lot of stereotypes about the french and then there's a lot of stereotypes about americans in france which it, it's just like very interesting because it's like you want to make like them seem like these ugly americans but then you're filming a movie in paris and you're talking about how every meal is escargot and like pate and it's, mm. it was an interesting tone Especially when he presents the ambassador with french fries for breakfast, and he's like, what are these? And he's like, palm free. And it's like, that, okay, so clearly that is a French, we're aware here, everyone's on the same page that the Americans didn't invent french fries. Like, when you look back on this as an adult in 1999 for this to come out, and then like two years later, remember there was the whole freedom fry versus french fries? I was going to say, they're called freedom fries, Aaron. Right? Like a patriot right <laughs> like what a weird psychological loaded thing to make french fries all of a sudden i just had to keep stepping back and saying this is a straight to video mary kate and ashley olsen film yeah relax <laughs> this is a straight to video mary kate and ashley olsen film you're asking yourself to relax yes okay. i'm telling myself like like getting worked up about the little details. Yes. I yeah. was like, this is a movie that was probably on the Disney Channel and like it was an ABC family if it was ever aired anywhere. Okay. All right. Like this, so, this is and Ashley also had their TV show. They had their own TV show? Yeah. They had a TV show. It's they well, they had the one as kids where they were like detectives. And then when they were old, I vaguely remember that one because I had a friend who was really into that one and she like wanted to be a PI because of it. Stop. Did yeah. she become oh. a PI because of it? Oh, she's like super, she's like a pretty, um, I don't want like, she's got like a very analytical sleuth yeah. mind. Like she's really good at that shit. Um, like she could, she could do that in another life, but she's a physical therapist, which is also very cool. You're, then you're just investigating what's going on in people's bodies. Right. right? She's like kind of the Dr. House part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is the show? It Takes Time. Something like that. So little time. So little time. Thank you. I'm so sorry. Oh, interesting. And that was on ABC? Beach House. Yeah, that was on I ABC. About that. Wow. There was also two of a kind. I didn't know that they, they had... The, I mean, I knew their empire was vast and impressive, Dual but I guess they had no idea. Oh, yeah. Dual Star Entertainment. Carrie, you don't remember two of a kind? I bet if I looked it up... It sounds familiar. I mean, as soon as I look at it, I'm going to know. But um, My other takeaway was that because bandanas are now back in fashion because of coronavirus, I was really acutely aware of how uh, bandanas are utilized in this film as a fashion statement. As like the headband? Yes. So because I, I, it's I have one. What's up? I don't know if it's a bandana because I had one of these. It's a headband with a piece of bandana on it. Yeah. Whoa. So it's not actually like a kerchief. It's, it's like not actually a kerchief. It's like a cut kerchief, then super glued onto a plastic headband and sold at Claire's. Oh my gosh, that is brilliant. 
I was also just um, thoroughly impressed with their professionalism. They just seem like they are very hard workers. They were, um, their acting was natural. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you are on Full House as a baby, you know? Yeah. They were really good from the camera. Right. Like, the writing wasn't great. Some of the dialogue between them, I was like, oh, this is really lame. Like, be your sisters. Like, be sisters. But, again, I was like, it's a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. Yeah. (laughs) Now, were you guys able to tell them apart if you didn't look it up? Hell no. Okay. Are you? I am. Unfortunately. (laughs) You just know them so well. It's just kind of something that they always do that... Mary Kate kind of always plays like a little bit edgier, mm. not as feminine in certain respects. Um, so like that's how like when you were watching movies, like you would, I can also, again, unfortunately, kind of tell their faces apart. Um, but like Mary Kate always wore blue. Oh, see, Carrie, this is some deep knowledge. I mean, I'm sure there are actors that I'm like way, no way too intimately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other two I have with them is that they lean, their twin thing is such a part of their brand that they lean into it so heavily that they always wear the same fucking accessories, like, in different colors. I'm like, well, that's just confusing. Well, I'm going to be honest, though. As a sister, as two sisters, we also had a lot of um, same things in different colors. As I would say that's a, like a way to keep the peace. Like, you have to have things that are just because... You guys are making the exact same thing. <laughs> Amazing. Oh my god. Um, I would say yeah, to keep the peace. But also I think it was probably easier for our mom when she was like shopping in one section. She'd be like, Great, done. Hang yeah, on the same yeah. rack. Different yeah. sizes done. To be to be fair, I still get gifts from Matt's mom that she's just purchased two for her daughters her whole life of like the same thing, and now she just gets three colors of something. Actually, this blanket is owned by two other people in, <laughs> in color. I will say it made me want a sister so badly like watching these movies I was like oh my god it must be so fun to have a sister this was not what our childhood was like our grandfather was not, not the ambassador no one no one's life was like this like um, they like gave license to like doing things as a young girl but like um you know, I don't really think that 13, you should be hanging out in France alone with random boys on the back of mopeds. Like, call me a square, but that feels a little not great. Um, the 90s. Yeah, didn't, I mean, like, Lizzie McGuire did that. Which, again, Vespas, they made it seem like you were going to ride on the back of a Vespa with a really cute boy. Yeah. Way more in your yeah. teen and young adult ears than... Yes. I've never ridden on the back of a Vespa with a cute boy. Um, yes, I can see how the Mary Kate and Ashley, because I was also thinking, I watched, like, I was very into Lizzie McGuire. Were they in high school? They were in middle school, right? Middle school. Middle school. Yeah, so I, I, I'm wondering, like, why I chose Lizzie McGuire and not Olsen. I, it doesn't matter. I think she um, was more relatable. Yeah, and I think there was a little plot in, like, a, a Lizzie McGuire episode. Yes. Um, and I was very into even Stevens. I, that, that block yeah. was like, I mean, Shia LaBeouf, he was fucking great. I'm a genius. Who was the brother? Who was the other brother? Because you had, there were three kids in the even Stevens. Well, there was Jock brother. What? The Jock. Yeah. What was his deal? What happened to him? Find out, Carrie. 
that. Well, there was Ren, his older sister. And then um, there was, like, Bean, who was, like, his weird friend. Yes. Yeah. Um, I Was there another brother? There yeah. was another brother. I see him, like, in a Leatherman jacket in my mind. Uh, he is an American acting coach and former actor now. Oh. What was his character's name? Danny. Danny. That was, was really good. Can you throw up a picture of him, Care? Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and then there was Donnie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Donnie yeah. Stevens. Donnie was anyway. oh, Donnie's boyfriend. I am just, I can see how, like, Liz McGuire, Mary-Kate Ashley Olsen, even, like, how those series and television, or, like, those movies, like, primed me for the teen movies that would then prime me for, like, a rom-com future like the the uh evolution is very obvious and like the little plot points that they hit and like how they bridge the gaps of like adolescence you know preteen to adolescence to so many montages in passport to paris i really enjoyed it me too it's an it's an art form a good montage can really make or break a, a movie for me this shopping montage the shopping montage with brigitte was Tray, tray chic, you know. I struggle with the fact that they would just like run out of the store with like all of these like items to like show to other people, and I'm like, that wouldn't happen in real life because you can't just walk out the front door with 17 scarves to show your friends in a store. Do you feel like that? That is something that you tried to do as a a teen, Carrie, or did I try and shoplift? No. You just made it seem like you really struggled with that concept. No, but I just feel like that's like a logical thing of like you don't walk out. I remember one time I bought something at Claire's and I accidentally picked up the woman at the register next to me's bag and I got so upset I started to cry Aww. because I walked out of the store with it. So no, I didn't try and shoplift Erin. <laughs> um, I know what you mean though. Like they create these scenarios where you're like, this is what it's like to be a, a teen girl. Like you get to go on these shopping sprees and you get to like order room service and jump on the beds and like live your crazy carefree life and it's like no it's actually really boring yeah you don't get to do that until you're like 30 you go to the, and then you're like i can't afford any of these things i have to take all of them back <laughs> anyway. i like a lot of the, the half sweaters oh yeah that fashion and then the chunky black um sandal oh, i have a, a shoe like that yes a yeah. lot of her shit is but like now very cool that age too oh yeah the steve madden the steve madden yep yeah and i wonder because there's such huge style and fashion icons now i wonder how much influence they had on their own wardrobe then or if they were just like (laughs) they were producers on the movie they were producers on the movie yeah producers of dual star entertainment produced all their films that is brilliant no one like god they're like billionaires right yes well one of them is because she's married to a billionaire, but their net worth is their net worth is still like it's like three hundred million or something like that. It's like outrageous. I'm just I'm very impressed. It's like the Olsen twins' parents, like the mom, is she like the original Chris Jenner? I I think definitely. Was she fire? Even more Machiavellian because she's they're like they're so behind the scenes, like they're not involved yeah. at all. Like, Chris Jenner tries to insert herself in every, like, she has her hands in everything, whereas this seemed very, like, the twins will do the work, and then we will 
keep the money and the twins will do the work and we will keep, keep the money. Yeah, and but I don't I don't and I don't think it's like a Macaulay Culkin situation where they like had to divorce their parents. No. Uh, I think they're yeah. I think they're a very close family. Yeah. I do know the parents are divorced, but I don't think that the Olsen twins divorced their parents. Right. <laughs> very important distinction. Yeah, they're that's definitely the original Chris Jenner. But again, even I plotted even more because well, I won't get into the sex Kardashian sex tape politics, but that's true. Yeah. Um, okay, we'll talk about New York Minute very briefly because there's not too much to talk about. Well, I guess we could unpack it a little more. It came out only five years after Passport to Paris. It came out in 2004. That's crazy. It seems like so much time would have passed in between the two. Right? Quality of video, the, how old they look, like all of these things. So um, it stars Roxy and Jane. Ryan. Ryan, thank you, Carrie. Um, they live they live in Nassau County, New York, which is a very large like they it's a very, 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 very large county in Long Island. It's not like um it's not a town, so that's just interesting. But I will say they really did kind of nail Long Island rich town. They did a good job at that. Um Especially because Roxy is skipping school. Uh, Jane is going to present some sort of like big speech at Columbia. They're, they have a dead mom, Hallmark, Hallmark of a teen movie, dead parents. So um, we've already, we've transitioned there. Um, but Roxy skips school. She skips school all the time. And uh, she goes to hang out at Jack Osborne's house. Yes, oh, my God. That was so wild. Jack is her producer. Jack Osborne is her music producer because she wants to be a rock star. And so then she heads into New York City on the Long Island Railroad. But it wasn't called Long Island. had a pet snake. I didn't want to talk about the pet snake, but we can talk about the pet snake. She does have a pet snake named, like, Ringo. Ringo. It's wow. like a massive boa constrictor. Yeah. Um, she takes the Long Island Railroad in, but it's called something else. Gets kicked off. Gets Jane kicked off as well. Um, she, Roxy is headed to a Simple Plan concert music video yeah, shoot. Oh my god. And um, Jane is just not going to school so she can present this speech at Columbia. And their dad is a doctor. Is and Dr. Drew. What? That's Dr. Drew. Who's Dr. Drew? He like, has like a talk show. Dr. Drew Pinkman? Yeah, that's him. Of Loveline fame? I guess so. I'm, just, I'm surprised Aaron doesn't know who this is. Oh, not me, Aaron. Okay. Yeah. You don't know Dr. Drew? Drew Pinksky. His name's Drew Pinksky. Oh, sorry. I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad. Drew <laughs> um, Pinksky. This is surprising to me. It's very surprising. I don't know him, guys. Well, I'm not seeing these credits. Huh. Let's see. Oh, as himself. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. He's a big... Oh, God. Okay. That's what yeah. I'm saying. There were so many, like, random celebrities in this film. Yes. I definitely think my favorite was the tourist that's later on is Bob from Schitt's Creek. Yes. Oh, that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, so Roxy is running from a truancy officer, which is not a real thing. Um, but there's some real shades of Ferris Bueller in that arc there. Very much so. And the truancy officer is played by... Eugene Levy, a young, 
just I'm so glad that Eugene Le Levy has like picked himself out of this weird like what was he doing in this movie it was a weird like celebrity purgatory yeah he was also like he was in the I mean I know it's a different um kind of movie but like he would he was an American Pie you were like Eugene Levy what are you doing yeah but I feel like American Pie was like probably a bigger paycheck than this for sure, 100%. I mean, his character's name is Max Lomax. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't know. So at, when they get kicked off the train, a Asian, super, extremely racist plot point sets off where this, like, Asian man puts a microchip in Roxy's purse, and then this man, Benny, picks them up in a limbo because they can't get on another train. All these hijinks ensue. They end up in a... They. Uh, well, he picks them up because, one, they got kicked off, but two, the chip is in the bag, and Benny right. needs to bring the chip oh. to his mom. Thank you for filling in the blanks. Thank He's, you. He is the number one adopted son of some woman. That's, yeah. Yes. And, um... Yeah, so then they get into Manhattan. They get out of the car. Jane leaves her day planner in the car, which, like, has all of her money, and... Then they get splashed on by a truck, very sex in the city, that now they're filthy and covered in water. And so then they break into the hotel room of someone who just happens to be a senator, who just happens to be Jared Padalecki's mom. And then they're just like showering in this random person's hotel room. Um, then the dog. Jared Padalecki of Gilmore Girls fame. Yes. Yes. Very tall man. I was very happy to see him show up. I was like, hey, Dean, it's been a minute. Did you feel like it was going to become a better movie all of a sudden because he was there? I felt like, uh, no. I knew, I could tell that having watched Passport to Paris, I kind of knew what was, how this was going to go. I was just kind of excited to be like, hey, uh, like a hunk. Oh, yeah. A, 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 um, we have an aunt who would call him a bona fide, a bona fide hunk. Yeah. Uh, his, and his character's name is Trey, which is like, oh, God. So <laughs> So, so the dog eats the microchip. They need to get the microchip back to Benny so that Benny will give the day planner that has the speech for Jane to, you know, present to get this award. So then hijinks kind of ensue in, in New York City. Um, if we want to talk about unrealistic things in New York City, like the ease with which they move through the city um, is outrageous, especially... At one point, they're running from Benny and and Eugene Levy, the truancy officer, and they fall into a, they go into a tent in the middle of the street that is tented over a sub, the subway, I'm sorry, the sewage system. And then they're just in, like, the drainage system of New York, and they walk from, like, Flatiron to 125th Street in waist-high water, just having, like, a casual sister heart-to-heart. -heart. And then they're like, oh, look, we got us there. And and then they pop up out of this, what do you call them? Manhole. Manhole. Yeah. They pop out of a manhole. And Roxy says to Jane, like, don't say I never did anything for you. I got you all the way to 125th. Isn't that where Columbia is? And they pop up, and she's like, oh, no, we're on the east side. Columbia's on the west side and like that's what the, all of a sudden they're furious about not the fact that they just walked through the sewer for literally the length of Manhattan it, it, well, it was a very uh, strange decision to be like well they'll have to navigate the sewer systems naturally that's the only <laughs> way the subway, 
the subway would have been just as challenging for like teenage girls from Long Island to navigate. No offense to teenage girls from Long Island, but like I take the subway. I see them often trying to figure <laughs> out. Struggle. Yeah. Well, and also like just as an you can easily lose someone on a, via the subway platforms as you can like the it was a very strange like I don't know what that decision was. I'm but, curious about the decision of the guy on the bike when they were carrying the dogs and he was just going over all of the vehicles in the middle of the road. Yeah. That. I like blinked and missed it. Um, it was so, also, so then they, I'm, I'm going out of sequence here, but basically this, the movie is just um, a series of like hijinks. There's very little plot. And, and because there's very little plot, they do a lot of, um, uh, exposition through their sentences like they'll say like well my sister is going to deliver a speech at Columbia today and she is mad because I messed it up for her yeah. like and they say it like 45 times right they're like she needs the Callahan scholarship she needs the Callahan scholarship she is going to Oxford so she needs the scholarship and then it's like you're irresponsible sister I'm the irresponsible sister and like there's just like it's so repetitive um, but there's also a really weird montage where they're like walking through the street in towels because they've busted out of the senator's hotel room. Hotel room. Um, napping. Napping. I mean, I was very disappointed to see almost no growth in terms of like writing and production from Passport to Paris to New yeah. York. No. I was like, they're filming in New York. I'm saving this one for last. Like, I'm really like, they're older. There's more star power in this one. And I like, Passport to Paris was a more complete movie in terms of writing. I agree. I agree. Bob Baggett pops up as a weird little cameo. Holiday oh. Sun pops up as a pirated movie sold on the side of the street. Oh, Carrie, what? Wow. What an Easter egg. You see that? No, that's great. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as familiar with our oeuvre as you are, so I might have missed that. It was just like, there was a lot, again, I think it was just, they were like, this is the movie we're putting in theaters, we're putting it all out there, let's go. And like, didn't think that they would like, I think needed to pay a lot of attention to the plot or character growth or anything, because they're like, it's Mary-Kate and Ashley, we're putting them in theaters, they're going to make a ton of money. And yeah. they did didn't. happen. They didn't. It only made like $30 million. Yeah. Well, because it's not a good movie. I know, but like we probably saw it in theaters. Actually, I probably didn't. I was probably, I probably dead. You probably did. I was probably a little too old. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, spoil no spoiler alert, but Jane does get the scholarship after she can't get on the. She's like kidnapped by Benny, but it's like a low key kidnapping. And then what, Benny again? That was Andy Richter's character. Yes. yes. Yeah. Why is he kidnapping them? Because she got the dog with the chip. And where did the chip? I, I could. I really could not know this movie. Chip. It's not. It wasn't clear. Um. Here. Here are my outstanding questions. What was on the chip? Right. Why was the chip important? The chip was important because it had pirated music on it. And so the mom was going to take the music, give it to her guy. They were going to make a bunch of CDs and sell them pirated. Okay. Which okay. obviously that plot point wouldn't work anymore. Right. right. But also like that is, that just seems like such small potatoes. Right. Like if you're running a piracy company, you're not kidnapping people. Well, and also like if you lose that chip, 
Like, I don't, I don't know. That doesn't, uh, again, There's I mean, yeah. hinging on something that a lot of things could go wrong. Yeah. Right. Or it's just lower stakes. And then another question. I'm what, how did this like Roxy get a record deal? Like I kind of missed how that all came together. She didn't she uh, slip a simple plan like her demo? Yeah, yeah, but like we never closed the loop on that. We did. Oh, I see. Like okay. when the simple plan listen to the demo and then decide that she should be signed and then and then take it to their managers and be like, oh, right, like Matt with Jack Osborne, not Jack Black. Um, and he was like, you got to do this because then you can go on tour. So look for the A&R guys who are the right. guys in the suits. And then I think she somehow gets it to them. And then but there's a lot of connecting the the beginning is the only thing that they talk about until she has her record deal and is touring because but. everything, ha this is like, everything is contained to like one day. Yeah. And everything happens in a New York man flight. Right. Sorry. Of course. <laughs> um, so uh, right, so the idea is that they had to, like, the A&R guys had to get it and then listen to it and then on the spot come up with a contract. Yeah. Give it to her. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's a... So the movie ends with them in the recording studio and, like, everyone's coupled up. Um, I left out that Jane, like, runs into, like, a guy on a bike who's, like, going already in college, it seems. He was played by this actor... Who popped up in a lot of movies like this. Okay, Harry, that's what I thought, but he didn't. His name was Riley. His name is Riley Smith. And I thought that he had been in a lot of things. And he really hadn't. Um, he had been in Raising Dad, which is maybe a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen movie. Wait, hold up. What is Raising Dad? I'm looking at the IMDb page. Um, I know him from Motocross. Yes. Uh, 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 yes. Raising Dad is a Bob Saget movie, but not about Bob Saget series, but not a um, Mary Kate and Ashley series. Sorry for my confusion. And then, and he was on like Seventh Heaven. Apparently, he was on Freaks and Geeks, which I don't remember. But do you want to know what I really remember him from? Was um, he plays a very short seven episode arc on Nashville. As Marcus Keene, who, like, uh, tries to seduce Connie Britton's character. I never watched Nashville. Never watched I what? Ne I never watched Nashville. Should I watch it? The first three seasons are good fun. Yeah? Yeah. I also just love Connie Britton and her hair. Me too. Yeah, it's uh -huh. like a good, fun Connie Britton soothing soap. Oh. Primetime soap. It's a soothing primetime soap. Wonderful. I love those. But I remember him from Motocross. Motocross is 100% where I remember him from. Oh, I'm so yeah. glad you said that. Is he the bad guy in Motocross? No, I think he was the hunk that also rode the motorbikes. Yeah. He pretended oh. to be the boy. Um, okay, yeah. So um, he's in it, and he just decides to give up his entire educational path to go to London with Jane. That no. was weird. I didn't love that. Yeah, don't love that. Um, um, and Eugene Levy gets a real job as a real cop because he busts the pirating ring. Instead of the truancy. Yeah. Yeah. And how Roxy is able to have her music career because she's not a truant. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I also really loved the use of sidekicks in the movie. That was a nice product. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, did you ever have a sidekick? I did not have a sidekick. We no. didn't have sidekicks. No, I was, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I think they were expensive. They, they were so expensive. Super expensive. And it, I, it was clearly like, it was a sidekick advertisement, yeah. right? Like oh, that's sure. why they were in the film. Cause it was not, it did not reflect at all how I communicated with my peers. And, and well, so besides the transportation issues with, you know, how quickly they got around the city, how do you two feel about how it kind of represented New York? Wow, way to turn it around. Our guest is now the <laughs> one positing the questions. Um, I mean, Carrie, that's what our days are like every day. Um, I wake up in the morning and I get it, I get kicked off the train and um, a homeless man spills a drink on me. And, um, you know, I'm late for everything and I have no responsibilities. I ha hang out in Times Square a lot, like a lot. And um, yeah, I felt really true to life. It was weird in that I felt like Long Island was really true to life. And New York City was like a, a, an amusement park, which in some ways I think it is. Like there was definitely a, like, I don't write like a lot of this movie takes place in Times Square and I'm literally avoid that place as much there's as I no, can. There's no need for it to take place in Times Square, though. It's, it's just, like, such a... They were trying to pick, like, New York iconic sets, yeah. right? So they, like... I don't know. I mean, it was... I was excited to watch a New York movie because I was like, I miss what a bustling New York looks like. And then I watched it and I was like, okay, well, this is, like... I think it's also important that these were, like, Bloomberg years, and that's prominently featured in the film as well. Like, they show, like, the leaving Brooklyn sign. Um, yeah. And, like, uh, I don't know. I think that this was, like, probably, I mean, the mayor's office definitely has to sign off on any sort of filming like that. So it was definitely, like, um, huge marketing for New York City for teenage girls. And maybe it worked, because look at Blake and I. We... We live oh, here. Yeah. No, obviously uh, I'm here. What? I remember, like, when I went through that trashy magazine phase that I like to think I'm out of. Um, <laughs> you would, like, look at, like, Us Weekly or something, and it would be, like, catching, like, a paparazzi photo of, like, people filming stuff. Like, I remember seeing in those magazines, like, them filming in New York. Yeah. Like, like I love New York t-shirts and stuff. Yeah. Interesting. See, like, that's so cool. So it was like a long tail of promotion for the film in the city. Well, I think what you're saying is just like there would be those magazines would frequently have like it would you would either catch celebrities in L.A. like leaving the Grove with a coffee or like in New York walking around either on set of like their new series or like whatever fashion week or whatever. Like those were how yeah. celebrities were seen and those those were the only options. They were never like, you know, um, let's just before the like stars. They're just like us photo pages. Yeah. Hmm. Or sometimes they would do like, let's catch up with the celebrities who are in Cannes for the film festival or whatever. But it's like and these places. Yeah. Which yeah. is just because of those are where the entertainment industries are. But like now with like Instagram, you get to see celebrities like in their homes in Montana, like. It's true. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's particularly representative, Carrie. Um, I will say the operational New York to some people, it wasn't for me. Like, it wasn't, it, to me, it would, did not feel like the, 
I don't know, but even like stuff like Sex in the City was never that like. That, yeah, that to live that life. Yeah, was never um, something I was like that excited about. Because, like, the Bloomberg Sex and the City in New York, like, is just very, um, it's not gritty. It's, like, extremely clean. It's, yeah. like, antiseptic. And that, that New York, Nick, never really intrigued me at all. Life waited to the Blasio years, and then she was like, yes, I mean, that, let me get that gritty. No, I mean... <laughs> No, I, I hear you. Um, yeah, it's like, we, I never had the need, to, like, people like living in Manhattan. People are like, well, if I'm going to live in New York, I'm going to live in Manhattan. Yeah. And that's not, that's not it. Yeah. I think that, to me, like, that Sex and the City, like, and I like, I love the New York that is presented in that because it's like a fairy tale. It's like a fantasy. But that, to me, is like as, an as, quote-unquote aspirational New York Whereas things that are filmed, I, I hate to use girls as an example, but like, or like Broad City, right? Like that to me is like a more romantic than like a New York love story. Like I love New York because it's dirty and weird. In New York Minute, her exchange with the bodega guy is pretty, um, yeah. in a weird way, the most normal part of the movie. Yes. And that, yeah, exactly. And then like, but I still like stuff like, Sex and the City because it's so so glitzy and like yeah like I don't ever fucking go to Manhattan. I used to tap into well, I mean we do go to Manhattan sometimes, rarely together, but like it is nice to do glitzy things in Manhattan every now and then. Yes. Um and like feel the charm of it all, but it it's best served for your sanity and your financial stability as like a real. Oh yeah. Once a quarter. Very like stereotypical epic New York days where I like go to the ballet and then I go have a drink at the Carlisle and then I like walk through Central Park and I'm like, oh my god, I just spent three hundred dollars. <laughs> but it was great. The Carlisle was really lovely. We may never be there again. Great. Wow, Aaron. I mean, I don't need to ever go there again. I went there once. It was really cool. Back to the box. Yeah. When I watched the television series High Fidelity, I was like, oh, I've been there. That's exactly what it's like. Can it, Can we recommend, let's revisit the tried and true uh, template we've got over here. The The podcast, the plots, the plots are over. We can't give out any awards because none of this is true to life. All of it is not true to life. Yeah. Um, superlatives, like best twin best character like it just kind of all feels like it bled, bleeds into one entity like it's the Olsen twins yeah like I could write an Olsen twins movie based on having just seen these two films and I feel like from just from my brain I could write down a whole plot and you'd be like oh that was the plot of like Viva Las Vegas the Olsen <laughs> twins like you'd be like that already exists that like we already have that movie yeah so witness protection in our lips are sealed. <laughs> yeah, like they're they just they're, there's a formula and they do it and then it's and it yeah. worked really well for them. Obviously, um, so there's no like really well. Yeah, I, I I mean the award I would give is like to the Olsen twins. Like congratulations. I mean I know we can't recommend that any of these get remade, but could we recommend 
Passport to Paris as like a um, a funny rewatch if you'd like. Oh, I definitely think everyone should rewatch it. I remember that movie way more than I thought I did. Same, same. Like the beginning sequence, like also n- not at the level of like a she's the man, um, my favorite's Gouda, but the line about when they're like, Kelly has split ends. Like that's something that my friends and I have said. That was a really cute scene. Or like the math during science and science during yeah. English. That was a joke too. Yes. Did you just look at your split ends, Erin? Well, you did it first. No, you were like, Kelly has split like, ends. Under the mic. No, I know. Um, I... I do want to know if you felt differently, like rewatching it. I totally felt different watching Passport to Paris. Cause at the time I thought that they were so cool. And there was these French boys, even though like they weren't that cute, but they were French boys. So it was okay. But now watching it, I think they are a little bratty. They're mm-hmm. very bratty. They're also like, um, I think it only comes with age and, and not being a 13 year old girl anymore. I, you know, again, like I only grew up like, Every, I knew who the Olsen twins were. It was They were very much in my radar and the pop culture potpourri. But, like, they were, as far as I know, they were never sexualized. And it was, like, nice to watch these films and be like, oh, these are just, like, they're very... Chaste films. And, like, but, they are, but they're still, like, hormonal and, like, obsessed with boys and everything. But it was very, like, PG in a very refreshing way. Like, they knew their audience and they knew... Again, it was the formula. Yeah, and it was just so age appropriate, but was also not um, bland. Or like it wasn't it wasn't pandering in that like I could watch it as an adult and like it held my attention and it wasn't like. But I would. But you just said that people, and I do remember people like counting down to when they turned eighteen, which was like very gross. But I think that that was. I mean, the Olsen twins are a brand, but it is one of those things where it was like. The, the movies stayed true to everything, but then, like, them as, like, right. independent celebrities in the beginning of that kind of it-girl culture is a whole different thing. That's a whole other beast. So I would consider, if it wasn't for just, like, how lame their, like, some of Passport to Paris looked from the vantage point of my current 2020 year, I would, like, show this to my daughter, if I ever had a daughter. Like, yeah. like a really fun, cute, you know, movie. Yeah. 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 I would agree with that. But I'm sure if I have a daughter, there will be some other Olsen twins thing when they are growing up that they will be obsessed with. Yeah. Disney has that shit on lock. Yeah. It's like we can never not have an Olsen twins again. Because Nickelodeon owns their catalog, not Disney. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It is amazing that, like, because Disney does have the machine, right? They've made so many pop, like, current pop culture stars are from the Disney machine. Yes. And the Olsen twins were, like, completely separate from that. Yeah. Yeah. And OG Kris Jenner. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. (sighs) But, you know, different. But I'm not going to be like, hey, guys, I just watched a great movie called Passport to Paris. I have (laughs) (laughs) Did Billy know that you watched Mary Kane Ashton movies this week? He walked in when I was watching in the kitchen, and I was like, it had just gotten to the the Louvre scene, mm-hmm. and I like let out like a truly guttural sound of like, <laughs> oh god! And he was like, what are you doing? Like, why do you? I was watching it in bed, and Matt was do, does what he always does, where he just stands in front of 
he's like getting dressed or undressed or whatever, like changing basically. And the TV is on top of his dresser. And he'll just like stand in front of the TV. And he's just like, you're wasting your time. <laughs> and I was just like, what? And he was like, I just can't believe that you're doing this. I was like, it's for the podcast. He's like, okay. And then he was like, kind of also watching it. Like, you know how like people get sucked into things. So he was like, kind of sucked in. And I, neither of you will be surprised by the, me feeling compelled to ask this question, but I was like, do you know who they are? Do you know who these people are? And Matt was like, Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen. And I was like, and he was like, of course I know who they are. And I said, well, you don't know who a lot of famous people are. And he goes, there's not a lot of famous twins, Aaron. And I was like, <laughs> fair, fair point. What a <laughs> That entire exchange makes a lot of sense. Right? Should have asked him to name any other famous twins and see what he came up with. Oh my God, that is so funny. I also am just like, uh, our species will never not be fascinated by twins, right? That is just like. It's just what it is. Yeah. Like Mary Kate Olsen on her own would never have become a thing. No. No. Nope. It was the. Well, she tried. Remember, oh, she, did, she did park on weeds. Oh, yeah. She was, was so weird. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. God, I forgot about that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, their fashion empire is... Right, but it would be... But again, like, the, the fashion empire, totally. Like, I give them all of the credit. I think that their clothes are actually amazing, and they're very tuned in to what they do, and, like, they they are... I give them all the credit, but, like, they would have never become fashion... I mean, maybe, like, they're not twins, right? There's just one of them. Maybe they go to Parsons, and they continue... Like, maybe that happens, but... You know, the only reason that you can start a line is if you have a lot of money and someone can invest in you. And they were just like, let's take all of our twin money. I also read something when I was looking into them that they um, they were like really at the forefront of ethical factory production, like in the early 2000s when they started like the row and Elizabeth and Jane, that they like were the first people to sign different pledges on like fair wages and um, emission, like different emissions. And they are the founders of like a lot of nonprofits that support that. So it's just, I'm always fascinated by people who do so many things because I mean, obviously you like hire people to work under you to like manage the day to day of that. But even when they were like 12, they were still had their hands in every pot, so to say. Like, even to Carrie's point earlier about the Barbies, like, they had the merch, they had books, they had DVDs, they had live appearances. Like, they really are just very savvy, or their parents were and made trained them to be very savvy business people. And I also think that they kind of set the standard going forward for people that, you know, skyrocket to their level of fame. Yeah, it's not a set of twins, but if it's, like, anyone that kind of comes up, they'll do, you know, a book or try to be a musician or have the Barbie dolls like they they really I also think with like the fashion line like they didn't have to go to school they didn't have to go to Parsons they didn't have to get a degree in fashion they didn't have to like take the classes and learn everything behind it they could have just thrown all their money put like hired designer hired designers be as involved as they wanted to but they're like if we're gonna we want to be taken seriously yeah. And the only way to do that is to, like, prove ourselves. Again, I mean, having a lot of money, like, makes every part of that easier. But I don't like, think that 
like they got it until they were 18. I might be making that up, but I think okay. some kind of trust thing where like they didn't have the majority of their money. So like yeah. they probably couldn't be crazy wild child. Yeah, they were. Ri- but I think that's like, I think that's probably more of a byproduct of like the era True. that they were in that like, even if they had all that, I mean, sure. Like Drew Barrymore did heroin at what, the age of like 11, whatever. But like, I think that like, even if they had had access to their money, like, what would their outlet have it wouldn't have been a widespread outlet you know what yeah. i mean it's not like they would have gone like live on instagram and been like hey guys look at my house party it would have been like no but i almost wonder if like because they like might not have had that access they had time to be like this is what we're doing and then being able to focus and be like nope this is our passion this is what we're going to throw ourselves into so maybe that's part of the success is that they had the time yeah i do think that the, there is a clear background of like a strong parental yeah. influence of like where yes you are extremely famous and you do have access to a hell of a lot of money but like we are going to try to do this this as responsibly as we possibly can yeah and like try to have you maintain some normalcy kudos to their parents kudos. we think i mean this is just how i assume or maybe mary Ashley and have just always been that mature and wise beyond their years and we're like it's or maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know, but like maybe it was Bob Saget. Maybe he was the driving force behind them. Maybe yeah. Uncle Jesse. You know, yeah. maybe John Stamos. That money is on that. Do you know that they're actually executive producers of Fuller House too? Oh wow, really? Yeah. yeah. So that's that's. I think funny. it's only in later seasons. I don't think it was the first season. Oh, huh, interesting. I could be just making things up. Because you know, like by contrast, someone like Kylie Jenner, who like grew up in spotlight access and like you know she got her hand in many pots too i would think and so i'm saying carrie was like this is a bit of a blueprint like you know yeah take whatever modicum of fame you have and turn it into money in whatever way you can yeah it's true kylie could have just been the youngest is she i mean i don't this i the, the the Kardashian Jenners are too big of a force to talk about on this podcast. It's true. Like, it's, true. <laughs> it's so true. All right. Well, Carrie, thank you for joining us. We'll stop recording to talk about housewives. Um, Blythe and I have yet to decide what our next pod will be on, but we will align and. Uh, Carrie, and- will you be back? Will you be back on the pod? Absolutely. Thank well, you. I think you guys should. I think you guys should watch all three of the Xenon movies because Aaron loved Xenon as a kid. I did, I did, but like we can't. We gotta, we gotta, you know, toggle between the the real throwbacks and the there canon, you know. And if we're going to do Disney Channel original movies, I would like to diversify a little bit and do like three. Di- I would love to do Xenon. Do motocross. Right. Do like a Xenon motocross brink or some. You know what I mean? There's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't do all three Xenons. I didn't know there were three Xenons. That is. That is brand new information. I don't know if I watched the third. I think that came out even when I was too old for it. Mm. It's like Xenon's a grandma, but she hasn't aged. She's like in her 20s. I don't know. Yeah, I'll be back if you guys have me. That would be great. We would love to have you. Um, We will figure out a pod to have you on. You didn't want to come on for She's the Man, but we'll figure out another. uh, I'm so happy I watched it. Oh, you start dancing. It's amazing. It's so good. She's the man. She's yeah. the man. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. All right. Well, thank you for listening. 
um, we'll be back next week. And once I get my editing crap together, this is a new uh, software we're using called Skype. It was a joke, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, great. Okay. Adios. Bye.